for female entrepreneurs, you have to knock on the doors of 200 VCs or angels to get a one yes. Welcome to the Grinders Table, the podcast where we sit with C-suite executives and founders who are taking their industry by storm to figure out how you can build an exceptional career and business. Together, we'll try to uncover how they are both defined odds and what you can learn from their experience. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Grinders Podcast and I'm really, really grateful for all the listeners that have joined us the past few weeks. Keep on listening, keep on sharing. And as usual, we have an amazing person today on the podcast. In my usual fashion, I'll allow Angie introduce herself. Thank you. Um, um, my name is Angie Madara. Uh, when in trouble, people call me Angela. That's when I know I've done something wrong, but no one, no one really calls me Angela. I'm Angie. And... My my passion is about women and getting women involved in tech entrepreneurship because I think we can change the world. We have the power to change the world. Oh, but I still need a bit of tea. I didn't need a background. Um, uh, okay, let, let, I guess I'm going to have to walk you through the journey. What did you study in university and has, has that necessarily reflected in who you are today? <laughs> in uni, I studied um, BBIT, Business Information Technology, Bachelor of Business Information Technology. Uh-huh. And my master's was an MBA, and none of those have played a part. Well, I think maybe, maybe the soft skills <laughs> side of things, but everything I have learned, everything I'm doing, I have learned by experiencing it uh, at the workplace. Um, but but yes, uh, university is still important. <laughs> <laughs> it's still important in, in shaping who we are. I think even so, um, even though technically speaking, I have done things a bit off a script, but in terms of shaping me as a person, molding me, um, creating that work ethic, um, those communication skills, and of course the networks that I've built have come from university. One thing that I'm proud of um, that I did at my university was start a project. And the, the project was a health tech platform and that 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 helped me you know, it's it's opened the doors for everything. My my interest in building platforms that make an impact, create change in the world, help help uh, uh, people live meaningful lives, more fulfilling lives, and get value out of their lives. Building products that speak to that has has come from university. Well. So you, you you sound like somebody that loves to build. What exactly motivates you? What, what's that thing that keeps you driving you to say, I want to build something to solve this. I want to fix this problem. What what exactly motivates you? Um, I think I, I'd say curiosity and personal interest, and just being. Um, there's a word my husband likes to saying, but not not in a positive way. <laughs> like you just, you just want to fix things even though they're running fine <laughs> but um, I think my my motivation 
building what I've built so far has been through number one personal experience that that has been my my motiv- biggest motivator and passion and conviction for what I'm doing I'd say personal interest selfishly building things that will solve the problems that I'm facing and if I am facing these problems many people are facing that those similar problems but some of the things that I've built haven't worked well they've been complete flops I I built um platform with with good intentions in mind. I I built a platform that helps job seekers land their first jobs. Uh, It was called my my first job and it flopped really badly. And I built it because at that time I was struggling to find a job just out of university. And so I had no connections to, to employers. I didn't know what employers were looking for, but I thought, let me build this platform. And I'll learn as I go. And hopefully by learning, I will help myself and others get a job. But that, that didn't work well. And uh, some some passions have driven me to create beautiful products that have gained millions and millions of users. Um, I, I was part of the initial M-Pesa team that built M-Pesa. I don't know if you know M-Pesa. Oh, of course. I was in Nairobi last week, just last week. <laughs> M-Pesa is who we are. We, we do everything uh, on M-Pesa. The grandmother of fintech. People, people, many people don't know <laughs> that story. But yeah. Um, well, we're going to go into that story. We're going to go into that. <laughs> passion led me to M-Pesa and M-Pesa led me to different, different, uh, different um, paths. I've, I've yeah. so many know what to say. <laughs> Well, I'm actually excited that you did, you know, talk about those that also didn't do well, because what we find is that everybody wants to glorify success and talk about all the great things that happened, but nobody wants to talk about those times that you had the missteps. And I'm of the opinion that you actually, to be successful, you actually have to have many missteps because you're going out there, you're building, you're iterating, you're making mistakes, you're correcting those mistakes. But what did you learn? I mean, what was the top lesson you learned from your failures um i think talking about failures it it was difficult to start talking about my failures at first um because you think you think people will take it as oh my gosh this lady has just been failing in her things but if you look at yesterday i met a very phenomenal lady who has built two unicorns and she rarely speaks about those two unicorns she speaks about the 15 flops that she's had and i i take that like wow because it's it's in the failing that we learn and we learn the best we learn the most it's in the failing that we know what to do what to watch out for and i think for me the biggest um learning as a female entrepreneur we don't have um, our entrepreneurship journey has its own unique nuances and we don't have uh, some sort of soft landing or cushion that male founders have. So what I've learned mm-hmm. in in my build, uh, in my entrepreneurship journey is to, number one, make sure that you have enough resources, enough funding to push your project two years, beyond two years, before you start anything new because... 
the investment cycle for female entrepreneurs is ridiculous. Oh, it is. In as much as the VCs say, and you go, you go to um, the venture capital's uh, homepage and they say, oh, we are committed to supporting women, yay, women. But looking at the actual numbers on and figures that go to female-founded uh, startups is, gosh, it's 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 minute. So make sure you have enough resources. And and this is also a challenge because as women we don't have that easy access to capital. So what 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 do we do? Associate yourself with other women that have means to support you as angels, means to connect you to the right people who will lend you your ear before you even, you know, spend two years building this product that no one is going to fund and you end up closing shop. Right. It's, it's a sad situation, but it needs to be said. You, you, we, as women, our fundraising journey starts at the ideation stage. When you have the idea, you need to immediately start thinking, how are you going to fund that idea, even before you start, because it's going to be a super long journey. In fact, um, I was reading a paper just a few months ago for female entrepreneurs, you have to knock on the doors of 200 VCs or angels to get a one yes. It is. That's, that's, that's terrible statistics. It, it is terrible. It is. Mm. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm building Athena Fund to help women start uh, their tech ventures. And we are right now building a fund to support that so that by the end of that entrepreneurship journey, there'll be financial support for you. We don't want to be just any other program that supports women without funding. We need money. Let's talk money. And, you know, people think it drives me mad when I hear uh, people, when there's an entrepreneurship program for women, they're only talking about capacity building. Enough of and, the capacity. and mentorship. And mentorship. How many mentors and capacity do I need to build? You give me money. I built this thing for you. And you actually took my next question out of my mouth too. <laughs> and this is about Athena Fund. And you you sort of touched on your motivation for the fund. But um, we all know that traditional venture is, I mean, there's a lot of lack of diversity and in, in inclusion in, in traditional venture, much more so in Africa where there are fewer funds and... I mean, it's it's the ghetto. Yes, there's been a lot of progress in the last couple of years, but it's still the ghetto. How are how are you and your fund actively working towards addressing these issues uh, in terms of how you invest in, in terms of how you're sourcing deals, in terms of how you're you're you know funding this this very great female entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. So we we Athena Fundex has been built from my experience and other phenomenal female entrepreneurs experience and we we started off by doing boot camps and this came right after my exit last year and i i started getting um questions here and there how did you do x how did you do y so we thought hey let's build let's build a platform first we started with boot camps let's put boot camps together to help women get to point from point A to point Z of their build uh, because I am I am a product person by by heart. I love building and creating products. Product development is my thing. 
So how do we help women get comfortable with technology, even if you're not a techie person, but you have an idea and a brilliant idea? And we started putting these boot camps together, but the boot camps became too labor intensive. So me being me, I thought, let's do something else. Let's do something that hasn't been done before, something that can be accessed easily by anyone, anywhere in the world. Fitting into your lifestyle, we don't want to pluck you from your busy life because as women, we do a lot. We are students, we are mothers, we are caregivers, we are home home carers, you know, we do a lot. So I don't want, again, to add an entrepreneurship class to your busy schedule. So we thought, let's build, uh, let's use AI and build an AI-assisted learning platform for female or aspiring female entrepreneurs. And we put everything that we know, all our experiences in it, and we built this platform that runs on WhatsApp. And very simple enough so that anyone else can access it. Right now it's on text, but we are building um, audio and and uh, visual capacity as well. And the, the, the plan was we build this. It wasn't supposed to be something big. It was just supposed to be... I was supposed to rest after my exit. <laughs> I didn't want to do anything else. It wasn't. It wasn't supposed to grow this way. But sooner or later, we partnered up with uh, Grasama Shell Trust, and then they they were working on a program called Women Creating Wealth in four countries in Africa. Soon after, we partnered with the the Shiri Blair Trust, Shiri Blair Foundation. Sorry. And they are in 56 countries around the world. And soon the the little project that was Athena became something big. And we thought, let's not stop there. If we're doing it, let's do it well. Let's also start building a fund behind it to support the women that go through the program that we have on WhatsApp. And so our deal sourcing comes from the women that are going through the program because we have already built that uh, relationship with them. We won't, again, take four months learning about your business because we have known you from when you had the idea. And it's not just women. We, we are also targeting girls. I, I believe it's never too early to start getting girls involved in technology. We need to target them as early as possible show them that this can be done, it can be done easily. We've given them tools that they need from building their first websites for free. You don't need to learn how to code to how you do your your returns and tools to help you do your returns. You, you don't have to struggle so much. Because we've gone through this, we've given you the tools that you need to get your, your business moving. Oh, oh. Um, I'm, I'm, so in, in my experience, I, I see that it's not that there are not enough women trying to build or not enough women being very creative or seeing problems to solve. Um, there, are, there are also the cultural undertones of, I mean, women seeing if they, are, they actually fit into that space, is this something for me? Or, you know, having the audacity to build like how men and boys are generally built or, or you know, grew up 
being, you know, men are, are thought to be audacious, to be loud, right? Women are thought to be docile, quiet. Um, how are you, uh, again, are you, I'm trying to <laughs> ask the question in a really sensible way. How, how are you working to change that, right? Mm. You know, it's a, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a cultural thing. Um, while we will be taught, you know, be modest. So that, that comes through from a very early age. Even when you're in school, you know, behave this way. You don't need to behave this way. When you assert yourself, you're termed as being aggressive. Mm -hmm. So you tend to shy away from challenging things from way early on from school. Challenging subjects, you tend to shy away because you're, you're just a nice, polite, nice thing that's not meant to be doing complicated things. You know, we, we've, been, we've been put in that... Um, category and when you go to the startup world it is then you find this uh, jungle of very aggressive alphas who will meet uh, angel investors or VCs and they'll shout about your business and they get those um, the, the, the funding at the end uh, <laughs> when, when I transitioned to do small time angel investing even before Athena my I changed my LinkedIn uh, caption at the top, and it said um, the industries that I I am focusing on fintech, edtech, uh, agtech, and health because I have experience in those, and I women entrepreneurship, women, 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 right? But lo and behold, the number of uh, emails and uh, messages I'm getting from my from my LinkedIn to date it is 99% men uh, founders asking for money even though my my profile there clearly says what I do and what my interest is in but uh, men you know you have this I'd say blind courage. Let me just shoot my shot. <laughs> if, if if you bite, fine. <laughs> and and it does work. There's some there's some um, pitch decks I've seen. I'm like, oh, these guys are doing amazing things, and I've connected them to the, the right person to help them. But we tend to shy away. Let me let me give you another example before I tell you what we are doing about it. Um, last week I had a chat with. Uh, the people from Intel Cup, uh, Suncalp. And I don't know if you know Suncalp, but they do massive um, uh, conferences slash summits. Usually um, they happen just after the tech weeks in different countries. So if there's a Nigeria tech week, there'll be a Suncalp event somewhere. And they had an award. So we're, we're talking about doing an award just for women, an award competition just for women. And they, so I was talking to them to learn from their experiences. They had an award for female entrepreneurs, not in tech, but just general. And even though the award was for women, it says woman of the award. <laughs> but they still had men applying for, for it. You know, shoot, shoot your shorts. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is that you get a no. And 
we see all this and we we come back to a lot of work that has that has to be done on our end and and saying that the work is not meant to be taken by the female entrepreneur alone but it is meant to be it is something that needs to be tackled from um, by the woman and the people within her circle. So what I mean by that is when the when the female um, when the entrepreneur is coming to our program, we try as much as possible to learn about their home dynamics. Um, we know that they do we do a lot of things as I said we're students we're mothers we're carers we are health givers we do we do so much so we try and find out about their home dynamics and who they have in their corner to support them and we do um we have a small program for the people that support the woman and just to it's it's a very it's a very short um whatsapp uh uh, course as well, very very short. It won't take you even two hours, just to learn about the things that you can do to support this lady who's who's serious, uh, seriously thinking about entrepreneurship as a career option. How to support her? What to look out for? Um, entrepreneurship can be a very lonely journey, so we want your support system to understand that journey and to support you when you when you need. Um, we also have. Besides, um, uh, uh, we don't do we don't do mentorship. Although it's something that we we are thinking about doing, I think it's um, it's we can't escape that. We will we will definitely do that. But when that time comes, we are not thinking about just women as mentors for other women. I think our allies, uh, there's a lot to be learned from men and how men carry their businesses, carry out their businesses. And as women, we can learn quite a lot from that. For example, how to assert yourself, how to sell your vision, how to present those um, projections in an exciting way that will get uh, investors to bite. We we tend to be a bit um, a bit uh, conservative when we look at our projections because we don't want to, you know. Yeah shout about something that we might not hit. We we are very, very conservative when it comes to projections. And yet, you know, you, you get a man who will tell you, um, we, we are going to be a unicorn in the next five years. It takes a long time to be a unicorn, but he sells you this blue sky thinking $200 billion projection and people are clapping like, yes, this is what I want. So how do we prepare our women to be comfortable with those big numbers, to present them in a way that will get um, investor interest, a way that will attract more partners? How do we make sure we plug them into the networks that they need in order to scale their businesses or turn their idea into a, a MVP? How do we get them to move in a way that you know you convert your business from just um earning your day to day but actually creating wealth how do we get women to do that so all that we have captured in our in our uh, whatsapp um uh, coaching 
and we do have exercises for them to do to help them you know get get that confidence building it's it's not capacity building anymore we are beyond capacity building it's all about building confidence well that that's that's a, a lot and i'm really really grateful that people like you and your partners and many people across the continent are doing similar things because um there's so much work to be done and we just have to get going we just have to keep on um building this these spaces that would enable women um, come out of their shells and build the kind of companies that will change the continent um you all have been listening to angie madara and she's really shared so much with us angie um you know that we will not end this conversation if we don't talk about your time at mpesa and your exit so <laughs> <laughs> um what was the early days of mpesa like oh it was fantastic it was fire everything happening new products coming out every month we had something happening and sometimes they would go beautifully sometimes they would completely flop and that's that's when i actually learned how to be comfortable with failure mpesa was a gosh it was like being in a when people say a hot pot <laughs> that that's what mpesa was like um i've learned i've learned quite quite a bit about him as i took it to many countries because we we were on um vodafone's um exchange program so some of us went to afghanistan to help them start mpesa some of us egypt some of us went to uh south africa some of us went to india it, it was a global phenomenal and yeah, I, i i can never change that for the world and as yeah. for my ex this happened uh last year in april and it it happened quite quickly we were not we didn't think it would happen quite that fast but it it happened when we did and one thing that i learned from my exit is because we were acquired by a japanese company is working with the japanese people is such a a joy because what they say they will do is what they will do when they said they will do it there's not um uh let's let's talk about it tomorrow no it's let's close this now okay okay sign here sign here okay the the whole process took us less than two months and every step of the way it was like okay we are here now we are doing this now next week we'll do that and it happened like clockwork when they say the japanese work like clockwork for real they <laughs> it's like clockwork and it was such such a joy uh, such good people and yeah I, i have to make my way to japan at some point <laughs> what was the feeling like right because yeah. uh, you, you hear stories of people say oh it felt like i'm losing my baby and you know it feels like I, right <laughs> i sobbed i cried but it wasn't uh, uh, tears or you know oh i'm losing my baby it was just oh my gosh i can't believe this just happened i can't believe this just happened is this for real it was um my partner and i cried we <laughs> we sobbed because she she was very attached I, i was too it was our baby but to see it now it's growing into something 
bigger in so many countries now. It, we, it was a good decision to make. And the people that were working with us got their place within the, a bigger company. It's, it's the biggest edtech company in, in uh, Southeast Asia. So they, they, it's, it wasn't a loss for us. It was like, oh my gosh, we can't, we, we did it. <laughs> Yes, and I, I, I love hearing stories like this. <laughs> and the plan was to rest, but here I am with Athena Fund. Um, I'm also starting a charity. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. I <laughs> said, <laughs> um, so in rounding up, I, I have a few more quick fire questions. Um, sure. What is one? What, what is one advice that you often hear people give entrepreneurs or founders or women, anyone? that you feel is misplaced or wrong? Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. Um, pitching, 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 pitching. The way we pitch, you know, people say we, we, anyway, long story short, the pitching advice we get from accelerators, from other entrepreneurs is not what happens hundred percent of the time. 70% of the time, you'll get questions like, how do you manage your company and your children or your family? 70% of the time will be um, risk aversion questions. So the, the investors are, are positioning your, your, your business as a risk. So how, how will you manage competitors not stealing your idea? How will you... How will you um, manage dealing with founder conflict but the male founders don't get those types of questions so accelerators please adjust the way you train your the women that come to your accelerator prepare them well enough for pitching because i can i can tell you real life horror stories all those questions i've just said now i have personally been asked very very Uh, good advice and most of the time, it's the women investors who ask those damn questions. Sorry to say. <laughs> I, would, I think this is a conversation for another day. Um, again, I don't, I, I don't know if it's um, they do it on purpose, but I've also found certain female founders, female entrepreneurs, female LPs or female GPs. They are, they're more, would I say, strict with female entrepreneurs very harsh very harsh and sometimes it, it, it always looks weird to me but then again i i always i realize that a lot of people have some sort of bias ingrained bias that they don't know um and then till you call it out or tell them they don't or they don't necessarily see it yes 100 percent agree hmm. and then to my last question to you what is your most important principle nisha what's your north star What's your guiding principle that helps you, you know, go through life or make your decisions? In in everything that I do, I always ask myself, am I making this person's life better? If I'm not, then just remove yourself. Whatever you're doing, when the things that you're building, the things that you're creating, the relationships that you're forming, are you making this other person's life better? If you're not, get away from that place and usually it's in the giving that we receive so if i make your life better you will make my life better so just you know just be humane which is also um 
Anyway, I can talk about the charity that I'm forming. <laughs> also, the principle behind behind that charity: be be humane. Let's let's live with dignity. Let's respect each other. Let's try and live in a way that creates more positivity, less negativity. If you cannot build someone, just get out of there. Get out of there, man. <laughs> get out of there. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Be human, give value to receive value. Thank you so much, Angie. Um, it was really, really a quick conversation we've had today. That's all on today's episode of The Grinders Table. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MonsieurOM. That's at Monsieur for Miss Time French, OM. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.